1: So why is measurement so important in ABA? And how can we make sure that we are taking and reporting accurate data? So data these days is everywhere. In any one of the technologies that we use, it's all over the Instagram algorithm. It's how companies decide what products are successful and what products are not successful. I don't know about you, but when I talk about something and it becomes an Instagram ad, they are listening and they are taking data on my activities online on the things that I've clicked on what I'm interested in, so that they can use those data points to make decisions. It is everywhere. And it's also so important in how we do ABA and the programs that we
0: do with our kids. Measurement is essential to everything that we do. Um, and it's especially essential in ABA. And uh, today we're going to talk about why it's so essential in ABA. Um, I think one time I heard I heard a saying that, you know, without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And that's always stuck with me, right? Well, I think that, blah, blah, blah. Where's the data? Come on, we need to see that.
1: And... um one of the or two of the dimensions of ABA. So these are like the foundations of ABA. There's seven of them. Um, two of them are to be effective and to be analytic. That means that we want to make decisions not based on subjectivity, not based on someone's decision or opinion, but really based on something tangible, something concrete. So we want our decisions to be effective, meaning like, are we actually making progress? Are these programs helping this family? Are they not? Is the behavior decreasing? Is it increasing? And the only way we could be effective is if we have real, tangible data to support something working or something not working. And then we have to be analytic and looking at that data and making decisions based on that
0: data. So many questions that I've gotten are, Hey, well, what do you mean by data? Like, can I just do handwritten notes? Is that enough data? Or do I need to do trial by trial data, which means I need to take data on absolutely everything, everywhere that I'm teaching? Um, but then, you know, you're in the natural environment, you're trying to teach, but you've got a clipboard and a pen and it's just so cumbersome and you can't teach and take data at the same time. That's tough. And then there's places I go in that have reams and reams of data and no one's ever looked at it. So we really do have to ask ourselves, what's the purpose? of what we're collecting data on. And that might answer some of those other questions.
1: Yeah, and what we're trying to do with the data really is take out that subjectivity. Um, We wanna make things as objective as possible. Um, And there is no right way to take data, but you don't want it to become cumbersome and you want it to be, like I said, effective. So the first thing before we know if anything is working or not working, before we start any treatment plan or anything is to get baseline data. Um, We wanna really know like what is happening right now and not again from someone's opinion or just from somebody giving over like their thoughts on the topic, but knowing really concretely what is happening right now. Um, And we call that baseline.
0: And, you know, in terms of that baseline data, we need to assess where the learner's at because if we put a program in and the learner already knows the program, you know, A, we're teaching something that isn't really being taught, something the learner already knows, and we're wasting that learner's time. Um, B, you'll probably see some negative behavior because they're saying, come on, I already know this already. Like, stop teaching me stuff I already know. Um, But secondly, if you baseline something or if you put um, a program in that you haven't baseline and it's way too hard for a learner, you're also going to see negative behavior increase because it's way too hard. So that baseline or that beginner assessment is going to tell you where that happy medium is between being too easy and too hard for a learner, for sure. And sometimes
1: when there are concerns about challenging behavior um, and something just feels really problematic, and my suggestion is always, like well, let's measure it. Let's take some data. And sometimes, what you find from that is, you know, really, there's something else going on here. It's not really the, you know, having to do with the learner. Maybe they, something happened at home. Um, it could be really not as big of a problem as somebody is making it out to be. Uh, you know, it could just be happening a couple times a week. Those couple times a week could be, you know, severe, but you know then you you would tackle it very differently so sometimes just starting with that measurement gives you a lot of insight into what's really happening here is it really as big of a problem as it feels like um, you know, there's always the people who, you know, think everything is is a big problem and worth tackling. And that's where we come in with the measurement to be able to make those decisions very objectively and say, well, look, you know, it's not really happening so often, or it's happening only close to bedtime, like he's just tired and, and opens betterly. So those are really important ways that we can eliminate a lot of, you know, work and effort um, and and time spent that we didn't need to spend.
0: Absolutely. So if we had to sum it up and say like a Coles notes version of what is the importance of data, you know, you said a lot of really great things. And, you know, one thing that you said is that it helps analyze problem behavior and it helps us look to see if there's something else going on there. Um, it also helps track learners progress. Are they making progress? Are they making huge gains? Are they making only small gains? Are they not making gains at all? So that data will be able to tell you that.
1: Yeah. And it also helps us know um, what, like, how quickly are they learning? You know, we, I love taking measuring um, rate of progress because that tells us, Sometimes if learners are are learning something very quickly, like, you know, it takes them, you know, one or two trials to pick something up, and then they're getting it really quickly, then we think, wow, like, we don't even really need to teach this anymore. So measuring their rate of progress is really helpful. um, And knowing if the program is working
0: for them or not working is, is a really important need for that measurement. Absolutely. That data will also allow us to see whether that program needs to be modified in any way. Oh, look, it's too hard. Let's make these tweaks. Or, oh, it's too easy. Let's make these tweaks. Um, You know, like I said before, you know, the importance of data is that it helps us know where to start with a learner, right? And then whether that program needs to be modified as we go. Helps track learners' gains, right? Um, And it can help us understand um, that problem behavior. And we measure like a lot of things when
1: we're doing programming. And one of the interesting things to measure sometimes is how often our programs even being run. So not even like the data on the program, but we'll do program checkoff lists, or even if it's just a note form, like how often our programs being run, and that is a really valuable piece of measurement. Because sometimes that tells us, well, they're not making progress because they're only running this program once a week, or they've focused on this one too much and this one not enough. So these are all different types of ways to measure the, you know, effectiveness of the program as a whole. Um, you know, we're looking at time of day, we're looking at, you know, what they were eating. Do they have snacks? Um, all of these pieces are really important parts of the measurement, so that we can get really a full picture on if something's not working, why isn't it
0: working? Okay, so I just had to take a deep breath, because as we're talking about data and the importance of data and all these things that data can be helpful for, I got a little bit overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, like, how much data do you want us to take? Because I really did get in the field to teach, like, my passion is making progress with these learners. My passion isn't, you know, entering data into, you know, some program to see an Excel data sheet. Um, So let's kind of break that down and say, yeah, you know what, data is doable. Every agency collects data a little bit differently. um, But it, it doesn't have to be cumbersome, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So let's take a look at that. And I think what we want to think about
1: is, you're right, data for the sake of data is not the point, like we don't just want to have papers and papers of data. But what we want to do with the data is make really observable and measurable goals. And once we have enough baseline data, we can then turn it into a goal. And when we're thinking about data, we always have to think about that goal. What is our future goal here with the data? Is it, um, you know, to reduce problem behavior? Is it to increase the scale? Is it communication? What is that bigger goal that is observable and measurable? And how will we know that we've reached that goal? And this comes up with anything related to ABA programming, also IEP goals, anything behavior related. You always want to think about the data is serving the purpose of this. End goal. Um, You want to choose a goal, obviously, that is short-term enough that it's achievable, um, but long-term enough that you know you're making progress over time. And then that data along the way is really telling you, am I working
0: towards this goal or not? Yeah, the data should really in reality be individualized for the learner. So, you know, each learner isn't going to have the exact same data that you're collecting because you may need to know different things from each learner. So usually most, if not all of the time, we have some type of assessment data. I mean, that's the very first thing you should be starting with is some type of assessment. Um, Easy baseline is an assessment, but there's other more formal assessments like Enables, VBMAP, AFELS, that type of thing. But the very first step is assessment. Second step then is, you know, from that assessment, let's develop that plan, right? And that's usually the BCBA who develops that plan. The teacher develops that plan. Really, you're stating the goals in observable, measurable ways, and then trying to you know, take data based on that. So, okay, my goal is that, you know, the learner has to raise their hand at least three times throughout a 30 minute circle. Okay, great. Well, I'm not going to take percentage correct on that, because I said at least three times. So that's right, I just need a clicker. That's all I need is a clicker. Oh, that learner is taking, you know, raising their hand three times, click click, click, or a tally chart. That's it. That's that's the data. That's what I need for
1: that program. So when you're developing that plan, it is so important to think about your data collection method because I see so often the general rule on IEPs being the learner will you know accomplish this goal, whatever that goal was, 80% over two days. And that's become like the default, right? Because for some reason, we feel like if we have percentage data, it's a lot more accurate. Um, That's actually not the case if you're looking at frequency of hand raising or duration of time on task. Percentage just would not be the right goal. So you have to think about what is your data collection method going to be. And if it's going to be frequency or tally or probe or any one of those things, then that would be the
0: measurement that you're putting in the goal. And frequency data in a classroom is so much easier to take than percentage correct, because if you're doing percentage correct, you have to take data not only on the number of trials that the learner did, but also the number of trials presented mm-hmm. altogether. So that's a lot. And a teacher can't do that. There's no way a teacher can do that for every single student in every classroom at any given point of the day. Um, so oftentimes, with some of these goals on a behavior plan, really it's about, okay, I'm going to take data for a five minute increment once a week on this kiddo. I'm going to teach way more than five minutes once a week, but that's it. It's just a cold probe at the end of the week and this is what I'm going to do. Or if I have a secondary person in the classroom, they can do this for x amount of time or during this circle time specifically.
1: Yeah, I love that. One of the common goals is, you know, student will greet a peer 8 out of 10 opportunities. And I'm thinking like, are you going to count every single time that student had an opportunity to greet someone but didn't do it and you're only looking for it? It's just completely unrealistic. So, I just had to That's- put that out there. <laughs>
0: Shira's venting now that school's starting again. Um, Anyways, so, you know, looking at your goals from your treatment plan and then matching the data to those, right? And, you know, that is a given. So data collection doesn't have to be cumbersome. You know, Shira mentioned before, we're looking at how often, you know, programs are actually run. And the way we can get that is a simple program checkoff list, right? We should have something where, you know, here's all the programs that you're doing or collecting data on with your student. Great. You know what? Let's put dates beside those and just check. off when you actually got to those a it helps a teacher or behavior analyst be way more organized yep yep got to that oh i'm seeing that i didn't get to that one it's the first one i'm going to do tomorrow simple data with a check mark easy peasy um you know with net data collection natural environment teaching you know you can put in even just rating scales right like oh yeah you know he did this about this this person it's not even a percentage it would be just you know like he did this most of the time he did this some of the time it's subjective but It's, you know, probably way better than being able to, you know, having to carry a clipboard with you and taking data and then ruining the quality of that play while you're playing, unless you have somebody else who can take that data for you or you have the time to go back and review video on that. And the other thing to note,
1: especially in a classroom, is you're doing a lot of teaching and it does become very cumbersome to be taking data on everything that you're teaching. So data doesn't have to be collected every single time you're teaching. You could make up a plan to say, I'm gonna collect data on this student this day or twice a week or doing this lesson. And as long as you're still teaching, you're continuing to like, you know, run the program and run the goals, um, but you're collecting more of like that, you know, once a week or twice a week data. Um, that is totally doable. And that's, that's a lot easier to do. And it's, it's within, you know, the, the
0: confines of measurement. Um, You know, so we talked a little bit about collecting the data, but let's talk about the analyzing piece of the data. Because so often, like I mentioned, you know, we go in and there's lots of data. People know how to take data or people are taking more data. And that's amazing. But it's what do you do with that data? So, you know, we need to make sure that people have time throughout their day to be looking at that data. Or once a week, there's, you know, time that's reserved to take a look at that data to see if there's trends or what those trends are in the data. Because if it's not being looked, at, you might as well not even be collecting the data in the first place.
1: And I love for this to be an activity that, you know, the whole team can do, because if the whole team is, you know, expected to do data, whether it's instructive therapists or teachers or assistants or paras or anything, um, everybody should be able to understand where that data is going. I think it helps them understand the meaning of why they're taking that data. Because if we can look at it over time and see that, you know, the, the, instances of negative behavior have decreased because we've recorded the frequency over time um, and we've implemented whatever strategy, then that's really motivating for everybody to know that now we're making decisions based on this and now we can make certain changes or you know, reduce the level of support or increase or add another skill or teach something new. Um, and that's exciting. So include everybody in that kind of decision. And when you're analyzing that data, it does have to be Meaningful. Such a good point. So I'll go
0: in to observe a client and, you know, I'll actually show the therapist I'm working with the graph and say, oh, look at this graph, you know, it's stagnant or, oh my gosh, look at this graph and look at this graph. This is perfect. Look, it's going you up get excited and it's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other ones that aren't going anywhere. You show them and you say, you know, I'm making this change or we need to make a change because look, even involving them in the change in terms of, well, okay, so this isn't working. What do you think might work? You know, do you have some ideas? You know, the student better than I do because you work with them 20 hours a week. Um, And As we start to incorporate therapists into, you know, looking at the graphs and we're making those decisions together, I actually get therapists coming to me more often and saying, Hey, Shana, look at these graphs. I think it's time to move on or look at these graphs. Do you have any solutions or? Hey, I'm I'm thinking about this. And it's really nice because now therapists come to me and instead of just saying, well, I think that blah, blah, blah. They're actually saying, no, look, look at the data.
1: And I love it. Mm -hmm. So once you've analyzed the data, then you can problem solve, what is working, what's not working, what can we change, how can we advance the programs? And then you just keep doing that, you know, then we're starting a new skill, we're going to start that process again, we're going to baseline that skill, we're going to record data, and we're going to, you know, collect, continuously collect data and make decisions based on that data. Um, And it it really is such an important process in
0: everyone's learning. Like I said, it's in all of our lives. And it's how everyone should be making decisions. You're right. So you know, once we've analyzed that data, and our team is now starting to analyze that data, we can bring everybody together and really make those decisions that advance the student and are in the best interest of our students, and our staff, to be quite honest, right, and everybody we work with. So I think that's amazing. So in summary, today, we talked about the importance of data, and the importance of not only collecting data, but analyzing that data. Um, you know, how to choose the right data collection method in terms of basically asking yourself the question of what do you want to see? Um, and we have another blog on choosing the right data collection. We have another blog as well on, you know, uh, baseline data. Um, for more
1: information on things we discussed today, like baseline data and choosing the right data collection method, go check out our blogs on those topics.